Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. Well, today we're going to get into the Word, and I'm telling you, the message is going to mess you up. That's why I woke up today. Some days I come to encourage you. The other days I come to just jab you and stab you. Today is the jab and stab. Today is the cut like a knife. It's going to cut. But um, I want to start by reading a passage in Luke chapter 9. And it's in verse uh, 57. Luke 9, 57. And it says this. As they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus... I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go proclaim the kingdom of God. Verse 61 Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. I want to preach a sermon today that I've titled first things first. Would you say that out loud? First things first. Look at somebody that you love today and tell them first things first. There's always a first. There's always a first. Father, thank you for your word today. God, we pray, God, that you speak to us loud and clear today. Give us everything that we need. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say? You guys can do better than that. We all say? All right, look at somebody you didn't look at, somebody you don't love, and tell them first things first. First things first. First things first. I came to have some fun today. It's going to be fun for me. But it might not be fun for you, but I'm going to have a great time. I have been looking forward to today for many days now, and I want to preach this message called First Things First. When you look at this passage, it reminds me a lot of modern day Christianity. Big talkers, no game. Yeah, yeah, like, like. Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. Yeah, yeah, whatever, man. Like, hey, even a fox has a place to lay his head. Uh, Even a bird has a home. Like, I don't have a home. I'm, I'm on the go. I don't know what tomorrow brings. I don't know what next week brings. And so you want to follow me. It's going to be lonely at times. It's not going to be popular. It's going to be hard. You want to follow me. I am not going where the rest of the world is going. You want to follow me. I'm not going where most of your homies are going. You want to follow me. I'm not going where you are going. I'm not chasing money. I'm not chasing women. I'm not chasing self-gratification. I'm not chasing the things of this world. You want to follow me. Really follow me. It comes with a high price. In fact, it's going to cost you everything. By the way, 
every single disciple was martyred for the sake of Jesus Christ. You want to follow me? It's going to be calling over comfort. Because we like comfort. And if you're really going to follow Jesus, listen, I mean, we have done such a bad job over the last 20, 30 years, two, three, four decades of presenting the gospel for what it is. We've made it this like feel good, all about grace and all about forgiveness. And although God is grace filled and although he is a God of unconditional love, he's also a God that has a wrath. He's also a God that set up a system where if we don't obey, there are ramifications of disobedience. And so we, we need to look at this passage for what it is. First things first, it's going to be calling over comfort. If you really want to follow me, let, let me tell you something. Comfort is one of the devil's favorite weapons because The devil would much rather you live in comfort than you live out your calling. Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Sign me up, baby. I want to be a Christian. And, and, you know, we use this word Christian like so loosely and so like flippantly. We say like, I'm a Christian. Like, you know, that's like an identification type of a word. Like I'm a Christian identify as. I mean, I'm not really, but I identify as I, 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 I'm a Christian, but I live like the devil. (laughs) It's, it's this identification where I'm a Christian, but what's interesting about this word, you know, we use it like, so like it's, it's an identification tool. I am an American. That's an identifier. I am an Arizonan. I am a Phoenician, right? I am a whatever Ian. Uh, that is an identifier. I am a Christian. It's an identifier. But, but the crazy thing that's interesting to me, so interesting about the word Christian is when it was, when, when it was first used. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 11, verse 26. Look at this. Acts 20, uh, verse 11, 26. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? Here we go. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So y'all didn't catch that. And since you didn't catch it, I'm going to throw it at you again. The disciples, let's say it like this. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. The the disciples, in Acts chapter 11, in Acts chapter... 11, a lot had happened. Uh, Stephen had been murdered and he had been martyred and stoned to death for the cause of Christ. In, in Acts chapter 11, it literally says that persecution had taken place and the believers were scattered. And they, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. At this point, when the disciples were finally called Christians, the disciples had given up 
everything to follow Jesus Christ. They had given up their ways of living, their comforts, their money, their possessions. The disciples were first called Christians. What I'm trying to tell you is that like, we have this totally backwards. Because we call ourselves Christians and then hope we become disciples. And so we've got this backwards because if you read through the book of Acts, they, they, they became believers. Then they became disciples. And when you're disciple of Christ, when you're disciplined so richly in the things of Christ, now I can identify you as a Christian. You're literally another Jesus. You're a Christian. And so we have this, 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 I don't know, Christian error about us today. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I mean, I've never given up anything for Jesus Christ, but I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I've literally never done anything for Jesus, but I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I never sacrificed for Jesus or for anybody really, but I'm a Christian. I'm not even through my intro. Are you guys okay? I told you this is going to be. There are two things I promise by the end of this sermon, you're going to love me or hate me. You're either going to be like, this is my church, baby. Or you're going to be like, I'm going to the other one next week for sure. And most Christians, they, they really don't want to follow Jesus. They want Jesus to follow them. Most Christians, God, I hope you'll follow me into this ungodly relationship. I have no business being with her. She does not make me more like Christ. I don't even know if she's a Christian, but God, come with me. Please come with me. Come with me. Come with me. God, follow me into this strip club. Don't act. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, y'all like, yeah, not me. Well, maybe it's the 9 a.m. service. I don't know, but it is for somebody. <laughs> God, follow me into this affair. I know I shouldn't be doing it. I know it's not the best for me. I know it's not the best for my spouse. I know it's not the best for my children. But God, please, at least go with me. Don't leave me. Am I right, though? <laughs> And so we don't want to follow Jesus. We want Jesus to follow us. And some people, they, they, they want to identify as Christian, but you can't identify as Christian and live like the devil. Now listen, you can identify, because today we identify with everything. You can identify with whatever you want. That's true. You can identify with whatever you want. But here's a secret that maybe you don't know. We all know the truth. We all know the truth. And deep down, you know the truth. You can identify with whatever you think is going to fill 
whatever the void that's missing in your life. But what I believe is that you will truly fulfill and fill that void by knowing God created you exactly how he wanted you. Listen, I, I want to share a passage with you in, in Psalm 139. Would you put that one on the, on the screen for a minute? Psalm 139. This is why I believe what I believe. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. God made them all. All parts of my body. Knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. Now listen. The world's not telling us that. I got it. I know I'm on dangerous territory. Whatever. I'll go by myself into that territory if I have to. But one thing I want you to know. Is that I believe that God made you on purpose for a purpose exactly the way he wanted you. Fearfully and wonderfully complex. He is proud of you. I am proud of you. I love you. I think you're amazing. So, so even if this is something he's like you're struggling with, you know, I, I just want you to know, I get it, man. We all struggle. Regardless. You don't have to agree with me. Regardless, I love you. Regardless, I care for you. Regardless, I'm always going to be there for you. Regardless, you're welcome. You're welcome in our church family. You're welcome. You know, family's family. You, you may not agree with me, but I don't even agree with myself half the time. The only thing I agree with about myself is what God's word says. I don't have an opinion. My opinion is the word. That's his opinion. But I want you to know that you find purpose and fulfillment when you identify with Jesus Christ. The one who created you. Fearfully, wonderfully, complex. And listen, when it comes to identity, Identity as a Christian, I'm not asking you to stop calling yourself a Christian. I'm not asking you that. You know, like today you're like, geez, I'll never call myself a Christian again. Like, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to do that, but truly follow Jesus. Truly follow Jesus. Go all in, baby, for Jesus Christ. Go all in. Truly follow Jesus. No matter what. Would anybody follow Jesus no matter what? That's a, that's a big answer. Be careful. Because no matter what means no matter where. It means no matter when. It means no matter how. And it means with no matter who. No excuses. So Jesus is telling us, dude, he's like, bro, listen, I don't know if you know what you're saying. Foxes have dens, birds have nests. I don't have 
a place. Then he starts talking to the other two guys. He says to the first guy, follow me. But the guy replied, he said, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go proclaim the kingdom of God. It seems pretty, like at first glance, you're like, yo, that's intense and messed up. I can't bury my daddy. Then another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. See, therein lies the problem of human nature. Why is it so intense? Because we say, God, I'll follow you, Lord, first. God, I'll follow you, but first. Fill in the blank. Whatever excuse you can make up. Here's a good one. My dad died. Surely he'll let me do that. But first, Lord, but first, I'll follow you, God. But first, I'll go anywhere, God, but first. God, I'll give anything, God, but first. I'll do anything, God, but first. Look at somebody and tell them your butt is too big. Come on, tell somebody. You should have some fun with that one. Your butt's too big, man. Your butt is in the way. I, I, I wrote a book years ago. Some of you have been here long enough to know. I wrote a book years ago called Your Butt is Too Big. You, you, you can buy it in, the, in the, the clothing store if you want. I don't make a penny off it. Neither does the church. We literally sell it for what we ha- had them made for. But it, I, it's, it's a book about 10 excuses. The 10 greatest excuses from going all in for God. But this, but that, but, but, but God. Your butt is too big. Your butt, listen, your butt is in... That, that trunk be holding you back. <laughs> Some of you know, I'm talking to you. You got a king size caboose. You know what I'm saying? You're like, hey. And, and don't, don't act like you got a small butt. <laughs> God, first, let me, let me just, God, first, let me just that. But you know what's crazy? We, we, we want God as our provider. But we, we don't want to make him our priority. That's human nature. I want Jesus as my savior. Oh God, I need your help. I need you to save me and heal me and fix this and fix that. And restore my marriage and heal this disease I have and save me from eternal hell. But I don't want Jesus as my master. I don't want to do what he tells me to do. I want to do what I want to do. And I want to be selective about the Bible that I believe in. I believe in this part of the Bible, but not that part of the Bible. Or maybe I do believe in it, but I just ignore that part of the Bible. Because what feels good is to not ignore this part and to ignore that part. Selective Bible believing. Maybe maybe because of that, you get selective believing. Blessings. (laughs) And God says, first things first, first things first. I I, want to, God, I want to walk in, I want to walk in your abundance. But I don't want to walk in obedience. 
first things first. And the first thing has to be God. It has to be God. Listen, I came to church today to tell you that God wants to be your number one. He longs to be your number one. Listen, so much so that in the Ten Commandments, the the very first commandment, Exodus chapter 20, he says, you shall have no other gods, what? Before me. And then two verses later, he says, I am a jealous God. You shall have no other gods before. When I, when I first got saved at 17, that messed me up. I went to my pastor. I'm like, yo, there's other gods. He's like, no, there's not any other real gods, but anything you put before God, it becomes a false God. Anything you put in front of God becomes your God. That can be a person. That can be a relationship. That can be an emotion. That could be a feeling. That could be fear. That could be anxiety. That could be insecurity. That could be money. That could be possessions. That could be power. Anything that you put before God becomes God in your life. So he says, You shall, it's the number one commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Not yourself, not your relationship, not a person, not money, not a feeling. First things first. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first, say it out loud. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first. Seek first. Tell somebody, seek first. Seek first. Because I think we live this verse backwards too. We seek things. We seek things. I seek affirmation. I seek popularity. I seek money. I seek whatever it is you fill in the blank. I seek everything. I seek all these things first. And then I hope that God blesses my life. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. What does he say? He says, in all these things will be given to you as well. Another translation says, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first God and everything else. Your job is to seek God. God's job is to add everything else to your life that you need. Your job, my job, seek God. God's job, give me everything I need. My job, seek God. God's job, give me everything I need. So you might be your own God because you're trying to give yourself everything that you think you need. And that's a, that's a self-idolatry. Self-idolatry. Seek God in all these things. Listen, somebody needs to hear this because I'm telling you, for someone in here, the reason your life is so screwed up is because you continue to seek other things first. Everything else is first. 
You say, well, PT, God is number one. I mean, he's God's number one. He knows my heart. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. He does. <laughs> There's this saying now. There's this saying. Hey, Daniel, show me the receipts. I want receipts. You tell me God's first. I want you to show me and show yourself the receipts. Because if God's first, there are receipts. I want receipts, fam. You can email them to me. I want receipts that God is first. And I want to tell you three receipts that I want to see. I'm finally getting into the message now. It's going to be a long one today. I'm sorry. I, I am not easily offended, as you can probably tell. If you got to go before I'm done at 3 p.m., then you can go. I, <laughs> three receipts that really prove to yourself if God's number one. And number one is this, is that God must be first in my schedule. My time. Is he? Like, don't just answer that question. If he is God number one in your time. So you think about your day-to-day life, right? Is God number one? Is God number one? Be, be, be honest with yourself. L- listen, the, the, worst, the, the worst lie you could tell in the world is to yourself. Because if you're lying to yourself... You don't have ground zero to work from. You don't have, I'm lying about my, is God number one in my time, in my schedule? Do you wake up in the morning and God is the first thing? It's not, hey, listen, it's not scrolling on Instagram or tick. I woke up, tick talkie, tick talkie, right? I'm scrolling on Instagram to see if I got another like or not. Nope, I didn't. Bummer. I, the first thing I wake up, I got to go get me some coffee. Is God first in your day? Is God first in your week? Is God first in in your week? By the way, one of the other Ten Commandments, and by the way, these are commands. You know what I'm saying? Like Moses went up and got the two tablets and it's the Ten Commandments. And and they're they're not like, here's the Ten Great Recommendations for life living. (laughs) Here's what... I came up with for humanity, the 10 best suggestions for living, like they're commandments and they're not, they're not commandments to make your life suck. They're commandments to make you happy, to make your life better. Right. And so one of the other commandments, I want to read it to you. It says this in Exodus 20 again, remember to observe this, the what the, the, the Sabbath, the Sabbath day by keeping it. What holy, we keep it holy. You have six, you have six freaking days. Each week to do your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord, your God. It says, keep the Sabbath day holy. Okay, ready, ready? Receipts, baby. How often do you go to church? 
Front row, you're here every week. Don't answer that question. Front two, three, four, five rows, you're always here. You just, you take it. You're here, I'm taking it. If you're like, man, just be honest. He's like, but God knows my heart. Keep it holy. You know, it's like, dude, I go out and golf with my homeboys on Sundays. I go to hit the lake on Sundays. I'm just, I'm just saying. The Bible says as one of the Ten Commandments, it says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. What is the Sabbath? It's a day of rest and worship. It's a day of rest and worship. That's what a Sabbath is. It's a day, not an hour. Not, not two hours. It's a day of rest and worship. It's so important to God that it's the fourth commandment. It's right in there with like, don't commit adultery and don't murder. Keep the Sabbath holy. Some, some people are workaholics. Some of y'all are workaholics. And here's the crazy thing. You've lied to yourself and told yourself that's a good thing. You're like, that's right. I work seven days a week, bro. What you got? I work 15 hour days, boy. What you got? You know what I got? I got a good marriage. I got, I'm a good daddy. I'm in my kids' lives. See, y'all work so hard and build your empire. Keep working, build your empire. Keep working, making all those profits. And you'll lose your marriage. And you'll lose your children. Is that worth the trade? Some people work so hard because it's not even about work. They just don't want to face the world. They don't want to face themselves. They don't want life to be too quiet where God actually has to speak to them. They don't want to actually be with the spouse that they married and dedicated their life to. So I'll just keep working. I'll stay busy. And I just want to say this too for you workaholics. God's also not impressed. God's not like, hey, Moses. That dude, now that dude works. Seven days a week, 15 hour days, man. I mean, even me, Mo, even me, even me. I created the heavens and the earth in six days and then I rest. That, that's, whoo, that's impressive. <laughs> he's, he's not impressed. In fact, you're on the borderline of probably losing everything. It, it's going to backfire on you. It's not going to do what you're hoping that it will do. I read this last Sunday. I'll read it again. Jesus said, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The Sabbath. I love, I love Chick-fil-A. I, lo- I love Chick-fil-A until it's Sunday. And then I hate Chick-fil-A. I do. I love Chick-fil-A. I love everything about Chick-fil-A that I know of, that I can think of. I love Chick-fil-A's food. I love their customer service. I love their attitudes. I 
love their organization and their systems. I love that there'll be 352 cars in line. And this one over here off the 101 in Raintree, I'll be in line and I'm down at Shea. And they take my order at Shea. And then when I get to Cactus, they confirm my order. And and the thing I love most about Chick-fil-A is that they keep, they keep the Sabbath day holy. They shut down. For all you business owners that think you got to grind it out days a week. You think, man, I got to grind it out eight days a week. I'm just telling you, like Chick-fil-A does more business in six days than McDonald's does in seven. Chick-fil-A is murdering the restaurant business and it's not even close. Like, is their chicken that good? I think there's more to it than that. Hobby Lobby is the same way. Hobby Lobby shuts down. You ever wanted to do a hobby on a Sunday? <laughs> Ain't no hobbies on Sunday, man. Hobbies are Monday through Saturday. They ain't no putting together a little stick man or something on Sunday. <laughs> I should have said stick woman. I don't want to exclude women. Stick ladies. <laughs> but I, I love this because like the Chick-fil-A, I have a statement here. The, the founder of Chick-fil-A, she, she said uh, that closing our, our, closing our businesses on Sunday, it, it's the Lord's Day. And it's our way of honoring God and showing our loyalty to God. And, and, and then Hobby Lobby, the, their, their founder, CEO, uh, Dave Green, he, he said that, that we have a sign on our, on our headquarters front door. It says, Clo- close on, it says, close on Sunday. You're my Chick-fil-A. No, it doesn't say that. Some of you don't even know what I'm saying. So close Sundays to allow employees time for family and worship. And he said, he said, whoo, he said, honoring God is more important than turning a profit. Keep the Sabbath. That's just one way. That's just one way that you keep God number one in your life, in your schedule is, is, hey, listen, if, if you go to church sporadically, I want to encourage you to make church regular in your life, in your week. Like if there's 52 weeks a year, go 45 at the very least, like make it part of your life. You know why? I believe that church consistently will change your life. I believe that because you're here today, your life is going to be better. Your week is going to be better. Your marriage is going to be better. You're going to be a better mama. You're going to be a better daddy. You're going to be a better business owner. You're going to be a better friend. You know, some people's like, I tried church once. Like what? That's like people's like, I went to the gym. It did nothing. I went one time, you know? I did 14 curls. It's still literally the same. (laughs) Receipts, man. Receipts. You know, that's the receipt. Nope, I don't go. I go once every six weeks. Receipts. 
And if God was number one, he'd be priority. The second thing, let's look at this. The second receipt, I want to see it, is God must be first in my finances. Y'all know it's coming. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. You can say what you want with your lips. Receipts, man. Is God number one in your finances? Yeah, I got myself three mansions. And I love him, so he's definitely number one. No, no, no. No, it doesn't work quite like that. I I love this statement from Billy Graham. Billy Graham said, a bank statement is a theological document because it tells you who and what you worship. That's fire. All the tithers are clapping. Like, yeah, let's go, boy. You know, this is like 13 people. Like, let's go. (laughs) It is a theological document. It tells you who and what you worship. Your, Your money tells the truth about you. It tells the truth about who and what you love. Your bank account, your statement, it's evidence, it's evidence that God is first or that he's not. I think it's important to just say that Jesus talked, taught more on money than any other subject. A third of his parables were on money and possessions. Okay, why do you think that is, fam? Because he knew that we are greedy, selfish, insecure, short-sighted people. So he taught about it. And then 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 he taught about it. And he used this story, and then he used that story, but it's saying the same thing that that story said. And that same thing that that story said. He's saying the same thing every which way. He knows how to say it to try to get through to us that if we don't learn to master our money, our money will become our master. That's what he is trying to teach us. Jesus said it like this. Here's just one of the verses, just one. Matthew 6, 21, he said, for where your treasure is, There, your heart will be also facts, facts. One of the systems that God put in place to show God that he's number one is called tithing. I just want to take a time out because you know, I've had people, I see them in the community. I don't know why you feel the need to tell me this. But like, we go to Impact, we love it. Yeah, we're donors. First of all, I don't care. I want everybody, everybody look at me. In the, everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Actually, everybody look at the screen for a minute. Everybody look at the screen, okay? I sincerely want you to know. Keep looking at the screen. I want you to know. I don't know if you tithe or don't tithe. I don't have a list presented to me every Monday. And I'm like looking at you going, oh, I'm on to you. I don't know. 
and for my own health and mental health. I don't care and I don't want to know. Because if some of you gave a lot, I'd be your homie. And if some of you gave nothing, I'd probably hate you. And I'd be very perturbed. And I don't know. I'll never know. Okay? So if you feel conviction, it's not because of me. I don't know. I have to live by, listen, I have to live by the same Bible. It's not like, well, pastors, you get a, out on this one. Like, no, I got to live by the same rules, man. <laughs> So, so with that said, ten, okay, I want to clear up confusion because like you, you don't donate to a church. You, you, you don't even, it's like, you know, paid my dues, you know, it's like, it's a tithe. It's a biblical word. Tithe. I mean, it even sounds biblical, right? You literally don't use that word anywhere else in life. You're not like at work going to lunch with somebody. You're like, I'm going to tie this one up for you. Like it's, it's not the way it works. It's a biblical word. Tithe means 10%. Say it. Tithe means 10%. Not nine, not eight, not five, not four, 10. Okay. So where do we do? Where does it come from? Why do we do it? Tithe is 10%. The word tithe, it means a 10th part. So I want you to look at me again. I don't care how much money you make or don't make. It's the same for all of us. If you make 50 grand a year, your tithe is what? $5,000. If you make $5 million a year, your tithe is what? Okay. I can live by conviction and tell you that this church is built on dedicated, all in sacrificial tithers since the beginning. I, I should not say that. I should not say this. I should not say this because, you know, the Bible says, don't let your left hand know your right hand is doing and all these different things. But I just want to say like that one, one of the first gifts ever given to this church was by one of the founders, Andre Wadsworth, who played for the Arizona Cardinals and his, his bonus check, his bonus was $11 million. He gave $1.1 million to the church. Okay. Li- li- listen, M- my entire first year, trying to get this church going. I didn't even take, I didn't take a salary. I didn't take, we couldn't. I lived off savings for a year. Thank God. (laughs) We we used to be in the air park right next to the runway. I said, thank God we're on the runway. If this plane goes down, at least we're right next to the runway. Like we just trying, man. There, there, there's not two people in the church, nor will there ever be two people in this church that have more skin in this game than myself and pastor Andre. We're in, we're all in. We're not kind of in, we're all in. Okay. Listen, the reason I say that because there is something about people that make more money that have a harder time giving. Sorry. Facts. That's why Jesus said it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than a camel. I said it backwards. You guys know what I mean? I could have said it's harder for a camel to enter heaven, but I didn't, at least I didn't screw it up that bad. <laughs> it's weird because like it's 10%. That's kind of cool. God could have said 50%. He could have said 90. He said 10%.
Now, now, now there's a reason for this. Now listen, here's the reason. Why, why do we do this? Deuteronomy 14.23. Why do we do it? The purpose of tithing. The purpose. There's a purpose? It's to teach you to always put God first in your life. You're like, well, I tithed last month. And it's now this month. I lived for God yesterday. And now it's today. Okay? It, it is an ongoing thing that is a continual teacher and reminder for us to say, God, you're one. God, you're one. God, you're one. God, you're one. The Bible says in Leviticus 27, 30, it says a tenth, a tenth, a tenth, one tenth of all you produce. It's the Lord's and it is holy. It's the Lord's. It, it's actually not yours. Because you hear, it's like, well, I give my tithe. That's not your tithe. It's, it's God's. It's like if I give my 13-year-old daughter, Jaslyn, a hundred bucks, her and her homies are going to go to the fashion square. That's what I'm saying, the fashion square. And they're going to go spend some bread at the fashion square. Daddy, can I have some money? I said, yeah, babe, here's a hundred bucks. I just want you to bring 10 back to me. Okay, daddy, no problem. She goes to the fashion square and she buys some stuff and she buys some stuff. And then she gets down to 10 bucks, but then she still sees something she kind of wants. And she, she spends like seven of it. And then she comes back and she goes, well, you know my heart. You got three bucks, Jazzy? You, but daddy, you know my heart. I had to have this. <laughs> And, and, and that's what we do to God. That's what we do to God. So he says a tenth of, of, of all you produce is the Lord's. It's not even yours. You're just giving back to him what's already his. And then he says, not only that, he says, it's holy. Hello? It's holy. I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend God's holy money on having one hell of a week. I don't know about you, but to me, I look at the tithe as holy. I look at it as Exodus chapter 3. Moses, don't get any closer. This is holy ground. Take off your shoes. This is reverent. This is holy. Don't jack around with this. You don't mess with God's holy anything. And so the tithe shows God you're number one. In Exodus, look at this verse. Here's another one. The first of the first fruits of your land shall bring into the house of the Lord, your God, the first of the first fruits. We're going to have some fun with this. The first of the first fruits. Okay. Say that out loud. The first of the first fruits. Now it's important. The first, the first part of the first fruit, the most important thing to understand about tithing is it is God's spiritual principle of first fruits. Again, God wants to be first in every area of your life. He wants to be first in your heart, first in your mind, first in your marriage, first in your family, first in your job, first in your money. He wants to be first. So this is the principle of the first fruits and it has deep spiritual significance. In Exodus 13, God declared that the firstborn of every child be consecrated to him. Here's my firstborn. 
In Joshua 6, when the Israelites took over Jericho, God told them, I want you to get all the silver and the gold and bring it to the Lord's house. Why? Because Jericho was the first city that they conquered in the promised land. See, first fruits are holy and they're a big deal to God. Way back in Genesis chapter 4, maybe remember the story of two brothers, Cain and Abel. And the Bible says that God accepted Abel's offering, but not Cain's. Why? Because Cain's offering was the best of the firstborn of his lamb. Uh, Abel's offering was the best of the firstborn of his lambs. Cain's was not. So let me ask you a question. Can you give 10% to God, but not tithe? I just answered it. I spent like four minutes on the answer. I can because my tithe isn't just giving God 10%. It's giving him the first 10%. The first 10%. Okay, now watch this. I got this, this basket. And this basket represents my income. This is my basket of income. And in this basket, my income, I have bananas. And I've used this illustration one other time, but, but I added to it. Bananas. This is my income. You know, this is this and this, I gotta, I gotta pay for stuff with my income. Right? So the, the first nut, man, I gotta pay. It's like, I gotta pay my house payment. Like, dude, PT, you don't even know, man. Gotta pay my rent. Gotta pay my mortgage. Right? So anybody need some potassium? Who needs a house right now? You need a house? You need a house and some potassium. Okay, that's you. And, and then we got things like, man, wait, wait, wait. I got a car. I got a car payment because that's expensive. And so I got a car. Who needs a car? Who needs a car right now? You like, dude, I need a car. Watch your head. And, 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 and I got utilities because those are big. So we got utilities. Get ready. We got cell phone payments. We got cell phone payments. We got internet payment. We got internet payment. We got net, hey, Netflix and Hulu. Because that's a necessity, PT. It's like air, auction type, water type. Hulu, Netflix, baby. Netflix. Who wants some Netflix? And so we got to make the Netflix payment. Clothes, clothes. Hello, hello. We want some clothes. There you go. You need some clothes. We got eating out. Whoa, eating out. Some of you look like you eat out far too much. You got eating out right there. You got eating out. You got coffee, but not just coffee. You got gourmet coffee. You got the expensive stuff, $8 every time you go get a coffee. And then I have God, but let's, let's be honest, but let's be honest because I have God and I give to God, but I don't even give God my full tithe. I consume a lot of this tithe and I just spend it on crap. I just spent it on stuff. Didn't even matter. But God knows my heart. God, you know my heart. And you tip more in the world than you give to God. And you make excuses about not giving to God. But you're good with tipping the world, whatever. (laughs) Yo. Here, God, here, here's my little goodie for you. Here's my little goody goodie. It's my tip. 
It's my offering. By the way, you know what offering is? Offering. You never gave to God. You still haven't given to God if you tithe. That's already God's. The offering, that's the gift. That's above the tithe. That's the gift. So this is an illustration I did this one other time. And so um, does anybody want this open banana? It's not eaten. You can still eat the rest of it. Yeah, absolutely. So, But I decided to build on this because I have a Scottsdale version. I live here too. Don't act like I don't know. Scottsdale version. Scottsdale version is this is my, this is what I make. This what, hey, this, hey, this is, this is what I'm talking about. I'm like that, yo. I ain't no West Sider. And so the Scottsdale version, I live in a guard-gated community. I'm protected from the West Siders. So who would love to live in a guard-gated community? Come on, raise your hand. Anybody? It's okay. We're just being honest here. Okay. Or you just need a banana. I got, hey, hey, I got a private jet. Or if I don't have a private jet, I like to fly private jets. Scottsdale, you want to be in a private jet? Who wants to be in a private jet? Anybody? Private jet right there in red jacket. Private jet. Okay. We got, hey, listen, we got, I don't just have one mortgage or one home. I'm so rich. I don't have a mortgage. But I have lots of homes. So I got more than one home. So I got a vacation home. Yeah. Watch your head. Sorry. I got a G-Wagon, baby. G-Wagon, G-Wagon, G-Wagon. Who wants a G-Wagon? You want a G- G-Wagon's a woman's car. Who wants, who wants a... Hey, 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 hey. Hey, right there. G-Wagon. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm in Scottsdale, so I got a membership at the village. I would never be caught dead in Lifetime Fitness. That's you, Jeff. Come on, Jeff. That's you, Jeff. That's you, Jeff. I, I, I got a nanny and a maid. I mean, I got, I got both. Who wants a, a nanny for the banana? Watch your head. Watch your head. Seriously. Like, jeez, don't just let it hit you upside the head. I got, got my country club membership. I got my personal chef. I got a spa. Why do you think my face looks so good? I got a spa, Dominic Steakhouse, Steak Fodi Fo. I, on, I only shop at Whole Foods. I ain't never be caught dead in Safeway or Fries. <laughs> Fries ain't no way I'm going to Walmart. You seen the people in Walmart? I'm like in Walmart and I'm like, do I look like all these people too? Is it something about the fluorescent lights and the, the linoleum ground? But we all look like crackheads. <laughs> I shop at Whole Foods, baby. Whole Foods. Watch your head. 
Whole Foods. Scott's, this is Scottsdale problems. I got Botox, boob job, booty job. <laughs> don't act. Don't act. Hey, don't act. You know who you are. You know what I'm saying? You know who you are. It's like, I got back problems, you know? In fact, if you had a boob job, stand up. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. Actually, don't do that. Don't do that. It's Scottsdale. It'd be every woman in the church and some men. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it would be for sure. So, anybody want a boob job? I just, anybody? You want a boob job? There you go, bro. Let's go. Them pecs, dude. You be swolly ghosts walking. That's what I'm talking about. And, and y'all didn't even pay attention, but we just spent 14 of our 10 bananas. And so now I, I, but I got God and I got a lot of money. So I am going to give God everything. It was just way last, way, 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 way last. I don't know why it is, but when we have more wealth and more affluence, there's something that changes where we feel like we're blessing the less than or the more less fortunate. Like the tithe is the tithe. It's not even to try to dictate or control. Shame on you. Listen, I mean this sincerely. If you're giving your tithe, hoping that you can control the outcome, don't give it because you just made yourself your own God. You're giving like you're giving to God, which means I trust him. I don't know how it's going to be used. I don't know how it's going to be spent. And I will tell you this. If you can't do that here, that's okay. But go somewhere where you can do that. Go somewhere where you believe in that man or that woman and what they're doing for Jesus Christ and go all in, baby. Give everything you've got and show God that he's number one. You know, all I'm trying to do is build a church. I'm telling you, if everybody in our church tithed one weekend, one weekend, but everybody fully tied 10, everybody, we'd be able to build an arena cash. That's how much money is represented in this church, but it will never happen like that because, well, we got big old butts and we got excuses, but that's what would happen. That's literally what would happen. We could change the world. I'm limited to what I can figure out how to lead. You're limited. See, you don't realize this, but you limit your own life based on going all in or not for Jesus Christ. See, God does not need your money, but you do need God's blessing. And I'm here to tell you, you're putting the lid on your own life. Some people think like, well, it's all about financial blessing. If I tithe, I get, no, it's not, it's not, it's not the case. 
I want to read to you this scripture, Malachi 3, 8 through 10. It says, will a mere man, will a mere mortal rob God? God, that's you. Another translation says, would a mere man, would a man, would a man rob God? That sounds crazy. Yet you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me. Somebody say, test me, test me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see. Test me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. You know, this is the only place... Where the Bible says, test me, test me, and I will bless thee. Test me, test me, see, test to see. Some of y'all are like, yeah, I tried that one time, didn't work. Test me. And people think so, in modern day America, when I say the word blessing, you think of big fancy cars, big fat bank accounts. You think of homes, luxury homes. That's not blessing. In fact, many times that's a curse. Blessing, heavenly blessing is so much richer. And he's saying, put me first, test me in this and see if I will not bless you so much that I'm going to open the floodgates of heaven on your life and I'm going to pour out so much blessing that you're not going to have enough room for the blessing. Let's move to number three. I'm sorry, I'm preaching the world's longest sermon, but one day in the book of Acts, Paul preached so long that this dude fell out the window and died. True story. (laughs) Like sitting by the window, like, <sighs> imagine that happening. Paul goes down, it's like, crap, I got to heal that brother. And he runs down and brings him back to life. But I promise this one's worth it. Number three, God must be first in my relationships. Relationships. First things first, God is first in my relationships. Hey, I'm about to get down right here. Proverbs 27, uh, uh, 17, 27. It says, as a, 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 a man, it says, as iron sharpens iron, a man, a person sharpens another. So iron sharpens iron. Yep. A, a person sharpens another. But you know the opposite is true? The opposite is true. Iron sharpens iron. But the stupid makes the stupid more stupid. And the weak makes the weak more weak. And the dull makes the dull more dull. And that's why 1 Corinthians 15, it says, do not be misled. Don't be misled. It's misleading. People can mislead you. He says, bad company corrupts good character. There, there's this saying, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your future. How many have ever heard that? Show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your future. Right? True. I like to add to that. Show me your five closest friends and I'll show you who you really are because you become one with who you run with. When we hire people at the church, when I hire people at the church, I think I have like 40, 40 full-time employees and maybe another 50 part-time employees. So like they, when we hire you, we, we, we creep on you, man. Like we go on your social media, we creep. 
If I can't get on your social media, you're not hired. Like, I'm creeping. I'm creeping on the friends that you took a selfie with. I want to know who that person is. And then I go on their deal and I creep on them because them tells me a lot about you. So show me your five closest friends. Show me your inner circle. And it says everything we need to know about you. Proverbs says this in 27, 19. It says a mirror, a mirror reflects a man's image, a face. But what he's really like is shown by the kinds of friends he chooses. By what he's really like. But what he's really like. You know, the mirror, the mirror, yep, hey, there's me. But what I'm really like is shown by my friends. People I hang out with. The people. Now look, look at this verse, the last word. What's that last word say? By the friends he what? Chooses. In other words, fr- friends are a choice. In other words, and, and, and some of you heard me teach this, you know, a hundred times before. But I always say, we all have two types of friends, all of us. We have close friends and we have casual friends. Close friends are a result of choice. Casual friends are a result of circumstance. Casual friends, circumstance, they're on my team. They work where I work. Casual friend. Right? They're, in, they're in my family. I don't want anybody to know they're in my family, but they're in my family. How many thought of somebody right away? You thought of somebody. Raise your hand. Thought of somebody. If your hand's not up, you are that family member. You are the family member. Casual friends, circumstance, close friends, choice. He says by the friends he chooses. Listen, the closer I get to somebody, the more influence they have on my life. So you got to choose your close friends carefully and prayerfully. You wouldn't, at least I hope, like choose your spouse flippantly. You wouldn't choose the man or the woman that you want to spend the rest of your life with. Like, I mean, that'll do. (laughs) You called 1-800-IT'LL-DO and that's the one. (laughs) No, you wouldn't do that. And you shouldn't do that with like your closest, closest circle. The people, you, the people that you do life with. Listen, the fastest way to ruin your life, the fastest way is to choose the wrong friends. The, the Bible says, don't be misled. It's misleading. A friend with bad character will turn you into a friend with bad character. It's misleading. Your closest friends are your single greatest influence. I know so many people who had a lot going for them until they linked up with the wrong person. And I think that the friends that you choose to be close with is the single most important choice that you make in your life next to following Jesus Christ. In Proverbs, which is a book of wisdom written by Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, He gives us 16 types of friends we should not be close friends with. Angry friends, lazy friends, cheaters, right? He lays out 16 of them. And so this is is important because it shapes your life. It shapes your character. 
And the Bible says, and you know this verse in 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Yo, listen, 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 listen. Another translation says, don't be unequally yoked. Don't be yoked together. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? And what fellowship can light have with darkness? Equally yoked. Close friends. Marriage. Equally yoked. When, when I was single, it was a long time ago. I was, you got married at 22. But in my mind, I knew what I wanted. I had this idea in my head of what I wanted in a wife. Equally yoked is a big statement. I didn't want, listen, there's women who love God everywhere. I'm a Christian. Women who love God. I didn't want just a woman who loved God. I wanted a woman who was absolutely to its foundation equally yoked. What I'm saying is the Bible likens our spiritual lives to a race. Remember when Paul said, I have fought the the, the fight. I finished the race. Equally yoked means I want a woman who's running the race with me, but she's not just running a race. It's the same race at the same pace. That's a big difference. No, she's running the race. She believes. Yeah, but she ain't running at the pace I'm running. He ain't running at the pace I'm running. I'm running full sprint, full tilt after Jesus Christ. I want a woman that knows how to pray. I want a woman that knows how to worship. I want a woman that knows how to give God all the glory. I want a woman who lives her life sacrificially and selflessly, not selfishly. That's what I wanted. That's what I got and that's what I still have. And we've been married 25 years last March. I don't know what you're looking for, but that's what I was looking for. But the same is true with like your closest friends, just friends. Think of it this way. Do the people closest to you push you towards Jesus Christ? Or are they like a literal ball and chain? Dragging you, slowing you. Yeah, they'll come to church. Yeah, yeah, sometimes they'll come. It's not the same pace. You might have some hard decisions that you have to make, but I can tell you this, for me in my life, the greatest decision I ever made in my life was Jesus Christ. And the second greatest decision was removing myself from some circles that did not support the direction that I was heading. I want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you for the fact that, um, Lord, in the scriptures, you, you don't mince words. The truth is there. The truth cuts. The truth heals. The truth reveals. 
the truth restores. We're grateful for this book, this, this guidebook, this roadmap for life in the Bible. Lord, we want you to be number one. We say, God, we'll follow you wherever we, wherever you go. That's, that's my prayer. God, I'll follow you wherever you go, wherever you want me to go. God, I'm in. God, I'm in. No excuses, no buts. God, I'm in. I'm in. Whatever, however, wherever, with whomever. God, I'm in. Impact family, what about you? Are you in? Are you in today? You say, Jesus, I'll follow you. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. If you're in today, you're in. I want you to raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. I'm in. Jesus, I'm in today. I'm in. I'm in. All the way in. I'm jumping off this clip, both hands, both feet. I'm all the way in. I want us to pray out loud together. Would you do this? You could just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I want to follow you wherever you go. Lead me, God. Guide me, direct me, protect me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for unconditional love. And thank you for your holy written word of God. God, I want to grow in the things of God. Today, I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And God, I trust you with everything else. Father, we're here today because we love you. Not because we're perfect, but because we love a perfect God. And a God who loves us perfectly. God, I pray you to bless our church family today. God, be with them, guide them, lead them, love them. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. amen. Impact Church, I love you guys. Thanks for hanging in. With the world's longest service, next to the Apostle Paul. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and get you more connected. Visit www.impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.